co-host the richest man in north ferris wheel vermont they call him the bike baron and he's a pretty decent roofer too adam st germain um <laughs> well when you said i'm sorry i'm still stuck on this when you said episode whatever you want it to be it made me th- it made me think of this i think it's a jay-z song where they're like you can't be it's talking to the kids about you can be whatever you want to be dope dope <laughs> oh man, that's that's like stuck in my head. You know what's funny is I can hear it in my head and I cannot get it out of come out of my mouth the way I hear it. Um, <laughs> Wait, well, we might see if we can find that and drop it in to the episode. Yeah, somewhere. I'll do I'll do some research to back up what the hell I'm talking about because I sound like an idiot now. No, um, no sir, of course not. <clears throat> you didn't you, re- know. you didn't respond to pretty decent roofer or richest man in North Ferris Wheel, so we're just gonna have to assume you co-sign all that. <laughs> I just want to say, like, I think the verdict is, I think you have like a six month waiting period on the roof, right? Because like, you can't, Oh, that's a good point. You know, like you gotta make sure you gotta make sure one, it's still up there. And two, it's not, it's not leaking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have you guys had any, um, rain events since the roof? Cause I know you had one during the roof. Yeah. Very short little burst. Uh, well, let's back up. Let's back up. For the listener. First of all, <laughs> we got for the listener. <laughs> what Scott is talking about is that um, my garage, which we established in the previous episode, you know, it's a little bit more than a garage, right? It's like a, it's like a holistic living center. Um, <laughs> and it, and um, it, there's a lot in there. I've seen evidence of that. For the listener, check out uh, Adam on Instagram. They, there's there's ample. <laughs> material about his garage so <laughs> so anyway so there was a the the garage had the original roof from when the garage was built which is in the late 90s like 1998 or so so the roof that's up there is 20 plus years old there's a single dormer window on the roof on the east side it had developed a, a small leak along the valley of the dormer so instead of just you know trying to patch up the the leak uh, I just replaced the whole roof instead. You were like, this roof, done. You out of here, roof. And you then here. <clears throat> you decided someone's got to do this work. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I don't like to pay people to do things. <laughs> it's it's never a fun part of life. I, actually, let me, I want to clarify, I, I don't enjoy paying people to do things that I can reasonably do on my own. 
For example, if I go to a restaurant, I will gladly pay someone to cook and serve the meal. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is something that they might do better than you. Nope. Or, no or, problem. Yeah, it's no fine. Problem. I get that. I get that. But when no. it comes to labor that you're pretty sure you have possessed the skills to do, it is painful to hand someone else money for that. Yes, because it is outrageously, I mean, like, good for them. Like, don't get me wrong. They're trying good to make a living. That's fine. Yeah, and then they're, they're in very high demand. Like, I, I know a lot of the trades are in really high demand. There's, there's a shortage in some trades of, like, incoming talents, so, so their rates have, have increased, which is great. Like, it's all good. I'm just saying I don't want to pay you to do it unless I absolutely have to. <laughs> <laughs> so how many days of work are we talking about? that front to back. I mean, we're talking picking up supplies, executing the work, the cleanup afterward. How much time did it take you to do the roof yourself? Yeah. So I, I'm going to say that, um, this is one of the, the only projects of my life. So I'm going to knock on wood. Good job. Good job. And I actually <clears throat> estimated anywhere close to how long it actually took. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my, my guess was, I, I was like, I think it will take me three days to do this entire job in the end. And I think when I did that, I visualized starting early at like 7 a.m. Um, when realistically each day ended up starting at nine or 10, but, uh, yeah, dad life ain't going to start at seven, my friend. Well, you know what ended up, it ended up happening too was like every day um uh, this is like the one of this is like the first major roof project I've done. So every day there was like one small thing that I forgot um or I just didn't I didn't estimate right like I didn't have enough ice and water barrier so I had to go get an extra roll. So like so each there was morning, a, it was a trip yeah, to the hardware right. store each morning. So, so instead of, and because we live down here in, in the Ferris wheel, um, you know, it's like 30 minutes each way up to the hardware store to get. So was, anyway, it just took more time. Well, what, what, what hardware store are we, are we talking about? Just, just curious here. Uh, Lowe's is where, where I usually okay, go. Good, good, good. <clears throat> um, which apparently is now political. So uh, oddly enough, go. yeah, I, I at the talk show world headquarters, I am very, very close to a Home Depot and a few minutes further away from a Lowe's. I choose to drive a few extra minutes, but, you know, it's all good. Hey, you do you, baby. You do you. <laughs> yeah, you know. So so all in um, all in, it ended up taking me three and a half days to get everything done tools put away. I hired 1-800-GOT-JUNK to come pick up the shingles. Um, <laughs> we should have them do ads on our show. We should get them as should. a sponsor. <laughs> I because, like that. Because at that, at that point, I was like, you know what? It could They could have called me and they were like, yeah, look, it's it's $2,000 to come pick up the shingles. And I'd be like, done. Come and get them. <laughs> yeah, they could have said, you were at the point where they like, could have said any number and you, you would have considered it at least. I was totally, I was totally over it. Um, you know, I did the, I forget, I did the math in the shingles. Um, what the heck was it? So it was 29 packs at like, we'll just say 60 pounds each. <laughs> oh man. So seven, it's 1700 plus pounds of shingles. And so, you know, like you guys think like, uh, at Lowe's, I loaded them all onto the cart. I then <laughs> loaded them into the back of the pickup truck. And then you unload them, then you to schlep them once to the I was at Once I was at home, I then unloaded them out of the truck onto a pallet near the garage. 
and then I loaded them onto the roof. <laughs> Plus, I stripped all the shit that was on the roof, so that's gonna, you know, that's oh, another man. same amount of weight. And then I, and then I picked all that up piece by piece, very slowly, and made a pile of it in the driveway. At which point, I was like, I'm not picking up another shingle. <laughs> at, at what point did your wife come outside, look at what you were doing, shrug her shoulders in disbelief, and walk away? Like, how many times did that happen? Uh, day one. Day one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. We did, we did have a strategy because uh, at one point, I think it was on like the first day I was up there. And man, it was so hot. All these days I was doing this, it was like, I mean, it was beautiful. It was like clear skies. So I knew I had a good window to do it because I did it over the 4th of July weekend. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it was baking, baking hot. So anyway, so I was up on the roof and it's like a 33 degree uh, slope roof. So like it's, it's not ultra steep but it's also not super mellow either um <laughs> did you secure but, did you secure yourself with something or just no i did i did yeah i was just careful you know like the like tip number one is you, is you don't wear boots you wear running sneakers um because they're much grippier and um and then i had some staging so i had like some um two by tens that i would stand on one at one point but anyway <laughs> uh Allie was Allie was leaving to, to she was leaving the house with Evie and so anyway she was like you gotta text me every hour so I know you have not fallen off the roof <laughs> <laughs> that is, your wife is and, a, a wise woman that is very and smart. I was like I was like this is a good strategy I, this is fine no problem <laughs> and it was so hot it actually it was a really good rhythm for me so I would just like I, I left the phone on the ground and I would set the alarm and then I would uh I'd come down get some water and a drink, send a text message, go back up. So it was good. Now I just, you you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but did you refrain from the use of any alcohol during the time that you were doing this project? Oh no, a hundred percent. I treated it like, yeah, I treated it like, um, like riding motorcycles. Like I I feel like you don't want to be tipsy up on that roof. Yeah. Even, even like, Look, you know, like it's hot summer day and like a like a Dell's shandy in the sun, like, woo, that's good. <laughs> that's a good treat. <laughs> but uh yeah, you know, like I joked with a friend of mine who was who was rebuilding the deck at his house at the same time. And I was like, I was you know, I was like, Hey man, it's a really good project. I was like, you know what makes doing a deck ninety percent better than doing a roof? <laughs> I was like, You can have a beer while you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess you could so. do it while you're on the roof, but man, it's not worth it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> too, too. I wasn't into it. You know, like, like lately, anytime I've been doing these things that, that involve like, um, an element of, I'm not going to say danger, but an element of, of risk. Um, like when I did the big trail run the other day, uh, back on father's day, I think I, Oh, well, we haven't talked about it on the show. So back on father's day, I did this like, 11 mile, very technical trail run on the, on the long trail. 11 and miles was, is a good long run in the woods. That is not 11 yeah. miles on the road. It it's was different. awesome. It was super, <laughs> it was super fun. But with the, the, the critical part was that, um, there's a road at the beginning and there's a road at the end and there's no roads in the middle. So like, if you have a, if you have an issue, you're pretty far removed from, yeah. Yeah. It's not, you know, yeah. <laughs> and that, and it's like a well-trafficked, trail and like there's a lot of people out there but still anyway but the thing i've been telling myself and this is how i know i'm, I'm one getting older and two apparent um is i'm as is i'm like i'm like okay well don't be a statistic 
that should should be the next talk show uh, T-shirt or something. We're gonna come. With. Don't be a statistic. Don't be a statistic. Yeah, which you know, I'm just gonna say all things that are going on in the world. Wear your goddamn mask. Do not be a statistic. Yeah, don't be a statistic. I love that. And yeah, so, I, I do have on our to-do list talking about masks real quick. So you transition naturally to it. I don't want it. This, we're not. We don't have to get political about this, but. Do you have a, first of all, are you wearing a mask? Dumb question, but you just said that. So yes, right? When you go well, out. Currently, currently not, not while now. doing doing the show, no, I'm not. No, nor, <laughs> nor am I. But when you go to the hardware store and such like that, you're, you're employing the mask, I take it. Yeah, and I actually, I even think that, I don't think it's a, it's not a law, but it is a statewide recommendation that if you go, if you go to a store or a, a restaurant or, or a, a whatever, that you should wear a mask. And a lot of the stores have a sign on the front door that says, please wear a mask to come, you know, up inside or whatever. Yeah. I've so. seen that here as well. They did do in Texas, a very late way behind the curve state. Uh, well, I guess it's statewide now, but then even in Travis County, there was, a uh, issued a, like, you know, a regulation or advice, but with no punishment. So it was like, wear a mask, but you know, whatever. Um, and then recently they added a fine of $250. That didn't seem to motivate people. So then they upped it to, I think, $2,000. Um, oh, dang. And I don't know that they're actually handing any of those out, but, you know, they publicized that with, you know, trying to get people to, like, take it a little more seriously. It's been kind of an issue. <clears throat> Texas is just I fundamentally, uh, you know, resistant to any type of advice. You know, it's like one of those I'm not going to wear a helmet type place. People just want to do their own thing. So it's, it's real tough. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that, um, you know, it's like, it's like where it's like wearing your seatbelt's not a good example, but the point is like odds are in most places, you don't actually need the mask, but odds are you don't need your seatbelt. <laughs> right. In the, in the event you do, you're sure going to be glad you had it on. It's like I'm trying to work out how the seatbelt analogy could work, but it's sort of like it would only work if somehow you not wearing a seatbelt could make you a projectile that hits me. Like you asked, <laughs> like you're launched out of your car and then. Oh, no, no, no. I saw, hit I saw somebody the in another I, car. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm trying I to saw the perfect. Look, I saw the perfect thing. Here's the, the great the great way to explain it was. Um, if uh, if social distance if social distancing works, why do we need the masks? Right. If the masks work, why do we need social distancing? And then I forget what the third one was. And then the analogy was <laughs> was um, if you if the airbags work, why do you need the seatbelt? If the seatbelt <laughs> works, why do you need the airbags? If the seatbelt and the airbags work, why do you need the brakes? You know, it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that's it's it's an interesting time to be alive. <laughs> on, on that on that note, speaking of breaks, if you're on Instagram, I highly recommend you check out an account called All Gas No Breaks Show. <laughs> what? <laughs> this sounds this and, sounds right up our alley. <laughs> oh man, you you will just be uh, entertained and dumbfounded all at once. All I, at once. I'm looking forward to that. Maybe I'll put Package that in the deal. notes for the show too. Uh, so we talked about masks. Kind of, there wasn't much more I had to say about it. Just you know, I work in the hospital. We have to wear masks all day, all twelve hours when we're there at the hospital. It's it's difficult to do, but they it it really seems to be slowing down infection between people 
in those environments. So by that theory, it would help you in Target or wherever else you're going to. But it's just, you know, tough to get people yeah, I mean, I, to, I, to I see brought, it as an issue that's just about health. It's not, I mean, it somehow got politicized, but it's really just about like watching out for your own ass, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I brought, um, when I was out doing the bike ride yesterday, which we'll get to at some point, um, but I brought the mask with me because I knew I was going to have to stop like once or maybe twice. And so I had I had my mask and, was, you know, had it in my pack and was ready to go. So, yeah, it's totally it's, easy. Piece of cake. Easy enough, right? And just just a little extra caution. And the other thing is like, and this was something somebody explained that I liked, and I don't know if I'm going to do it justice because I'm stealing somebody else's thought here, but one of the reasons you wear the mask, aside from all the other things that you can talk about, one of the reasons you wear the mask when you go into a public place or a store to run one of these errands is because it covers your face, and so it's going to keep you from putting your hand on your face when you're in that environment, and so it's it's if, if nothing else, it's keeping you from touching stuff in the store and then absentmindedly touching your face. So you wear the mask, you get back in your car, you wash your hands, hand sanitizer, whatever, and then it's like a hard reset and you haven't touched your face that whole time. So that's going to give you a lot of advantage in not getting any active virus that you touched on a surface into your face. So, because I think people hey, are, are, you know, you know what? Don't don't be getting into my face, bro. Get out of my face. <laughs> get out I of just it. thought, look, look, while you were while you were talking about the the, the mask um, idea, I just came up with what I'm going to call a beautiful analogy. Okay, about <laughs> about wearing a mask, and this is for Shoot. our our nor- northeastern and northern based listeners across the country. Looking at you, Matt Newell, since you moved. Um, (laughs) Listen, wearing a mask or not wearing a mask is the same as wiping the snow off your car and driving down the highway (laughs) or deciding not to wipe the snow off your car and driving down the highway. (laughs) The The giant chunks of ice and snow, they might blow up the car, smash somebody else's windshield, they crash. (laughs) You're an idiot, and you just go on about your day. And you, yeah, or and, and you you're just, just take the to wipe the snow off, and everybody's fine. Yeah, just a, a moment of consideration for the rest of the world. <laughs> just a moment. That's, that's it. Wipe the snow off. I like that. Wipe the snow off, bitches. Let's do this. All right. <laughs> so one more one more topic here to transition to uh, while we're kind of on the COVID effects of life <laughs> stuff is <laughs> so gyms. We both attended gyms with some regularity in the pre-pandemic oh, I, actually, life. What's going on I with gyms? To, I prefer to call them Jameses. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh God, that was bad. Um, uh, yeah, the box. You or you? You sometimes you just call it the box. That's that's what you people do, right? Actually, I'm pretty sure that has never come out of my mouth. I've um, never I've never heard you say it, but you did clarify that on an episode. That might be episode one or two that you clarified that that's what CrossFit people call the gym, and I cannot let go of it. It is bizarre. Yeah, and I think that I think that was born out of the idea that that in the early days CrossFit was was clearly meaning differentiate itself from a traditional gym experience. Sure, sure. And and the typical look of the gyms that I've seen, most of them is very much like a warehouse box shape space. It's they they have like Yeah, a, right. That's that's the other thing is that there's no there's no frills, right? There's no yeah. like They typically there's, there's, have that yeah. aesthetic pretty pretty much well, not always, I don't know, but the ones I've seen seem to follow that aesthetic pretty closely. 
anyway, the gym update. Um, yeah, here in Vermont, they were all closed for, for quite a while. And then I think it was June 1st. It's either June 1st or that first week of June, right in there. The, they were allowed to open. There's limits on the on their capacity. Um, and I think that the metric they used was 50% of the, of your fire. Um, fire code capacity. Occupant. Yeah. Yeah. That, thank you. Fire code. Yeah. So that you could do 50% of that. Um, and then there was rules within that. So what I know is that at, at Champlain Valley, um, who recently changed their name to Champlain Valley Community Fitness. Um, oh, I have follow-up we'll, questions on that, but let's, yeah, let's, we'll, we'll let's get not to that. get bogged down right away with it. So they they have a very large space. And uh, I mean, we're really fortunate. They have a really large space and they have a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of equipment. And so what they did is they split up their equipment. Um, they split up their equipment and they made these these defined 10 by 10 boxes um, within the box. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> very, um, very good. Very good. On brand. And then uh, and then each each square is separated by six feet. So there's like a 10 foot square, a six foot gap, 10 foot square. And um, so when you go to class, they have a limit. I think it's 20 three people can be at class. Um, everyone is assigned your own square. Everything you need for the day is within your square. Um, and you just stay in your square unless you go outside to run, in which case they have a designated path that you follow. There's one way in, there's another way out. Like it's all very structured. The coaches are wearing masks the entire time. You have to wear a mask to go into the building. You don't have to wear the mask once you're inside your square. That seems pretty reasonable. And, um, Interestingly, from what I know, I have well follow-up question for you. Have you been to the gym? This is just you know this from uh, kind of following mm. the gym. Have you been since this pattern? Yeah, started? they've they've been really they've been really great about communicating about what they're doing and what they're trying to do to adapt and, and continue the programming and the community for everybody. And, and I think they've done a really amazing job. I have not gone, um, and I'm you know pretty lucky where I've got like a a pretty nice setup here at the house. Um, and so I can do most of my training here and we're going to make some, some small additions. I'm going to add a climbing rope here in the next uh, month or so. And then, um, but yeah, we're pretty, we're pretty, uh, you're pretty set up there where you are. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, the jujitsu Academy where I've trained in the past and I'm looking forward to training again at some point when it seems reasonable to me did also reopen around the same time. And it sounds like they're doing essentially the jujitsu version of the same thing your gym's doing. It's masks on to enter and leave. Uh, I think they're optional on the mats or, but most people probably aren't wearing them. And then they've taped out on the mats areas that are kind of defined and, you know, however many feet apart. Um, And I think people are, originally they were but how does that work though but you're you gotta like you have to grapple with someone yeah so that's they were in the very beginning my understanding was they were doing like kind of movement based drills so there was no grapple no one really wants to do that jujitsu people love to grapple that's why they're there so (laughs) i was gonna say the whole point is to to choke somebody right right so at certain point they phased in you can train with people from your household or you can have a designated training partner or a few designated training partners they were like encouraging roommates and things like that and if you didn't have a roommate who does jujitsu then which believe it or not a lot of those people do 
um, they were doing, uh, I think like you could designate one person as like your person. And so you're basically making a jujitsu bubble with another person. Obviously there's risk involved in all that. So I, well, they did, they did a similar thing in Canada where they called it the double bubble. The double bubble. <laughs> That's a good yeah. Name. So they so they made they had they had and I don't know the details. So if anyone's and if I'm messing this, up, I'm not naming the jujitsu academy that I am talking about because I don't know enough. I haven't been in there. I don't want to name them name check them with any false information. <laughs> but I guess I guess what Canada said. My understanding is that they allowed you to designate like if you were a, a couple or if you were a family, you could designate one other couple or family as your double bubble, and then you could socialize, I mean, assuming everybody had tested negative, et cetera, you could then socialize with the other half of your bubble. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like as time goes on here, some some things are going to have to, I mean, if we want to have social lives until this really is all settled out, <clears throat> I think there is going to have to be some consideration of like, who you're going to, who are you going to pick to be in that group of people that you trust isn't going to be stupid when you're not having dinner or something. I don't know. We are not there yet here, especially cause we're you guys, I think in Vermont, you guys are one of the States that maybe is settling out a bit, but here in Texas, we are cooking. We're cooking COVID right now. So it's just, yeah, not you guys COVID hotbed, bro. Yeah. It's, so, uh, or you could be like Alabama and have COVID parties. Oh, those people are stupid. <laughs> it is, it, uh, yeah, but so we could go. Let's go back. We can go back to some some uh, good news, though, right? Yeah, the, let's talk the, about some other the stuff. Cro- the CrossFit world, there, um, right? So, so there was uh, some issues with the owner and founder, uh, CEO of CrossFit, uh, Greg Glassman. There was a big uprising. People called for his resignation. He resigned, um, and gave the CEO ship to CEO position to someone else. But then they said that wasn't enough. So then recently, uh, I think like in the just last week or so, he sold CrossFit. He's no longer associated or affiliated with CrossFit. Okay. Okay. I bet you he made a pretty penny on that deal. One would think. One yeah. would think. So I don't, um, I don't know how much punishment that is, but I don't. I don't know that. I don't know the details of it. I know he tweeted some things he probably shouldn't have tweeted. It sounds like probably not very smart. There's there's a lot of accusations about other things that that he and culture that was created that were less than awesome. So, yeah. Uh, so anyway, it was so good opportunity for change. So did your, I, we don't, I don't know if you, if you don't want to answer any of these questions, cause you're not, I want to speak on behalf of the gym. You don't have to, but did your gym, it sounds like disaffiliate. Is that what they did or is it? More- they did now, now, yeah, they did or, or they had intended to now what that means with the current changes and, and whether or not they'll come back. I don't, no. Yeah, that's up to them. But it sounds like they they made a, a good decision to make. And I think that was the whole the whole thing, right? Like all these all these people uh, and gyms that were de-affiliating, they weren't de-affiliating because they didn't believe in CrossFit, but they were de-affiliating as a way to speak out against the yeah. Greg. And and it's like kind of like a, a, it's a pretty complicated cultural moment, and to get branded in a way that brands you on the wrong side of like kind of a right. social movement right. is not good for anybody. Like, it, right, 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 right. Like ethically, but also financially, it's just, it's, it's bad. It's just toxic. So I could see why so, they made that decision. Seems smart. Yeah. So, so pretty, pretty interesting changes there on, uh, on that whole side of things. So yeah, we'll see what happens, I guess. 
Yeah. I don't I wonder what's going on down here. Like I, I told you before and mentioned on the show, but the gym I'm most aware of through jujitsu that that does uh, strength and conditioning is never has never been affiliated with CrossFit. It's you know, looks like CrossFit, you know. <laughs> right. I was I was gonna say they're they're not a quote unquote CrossFit gym. So. Right. So there's nothing that they needed to do uh in regards to that. But um <clears throat> yeah, anyway. Uh, shout out to Atomic Athlete. Owners are really Really cool people. Good gym from what I hear. Have not been there. Very scared of going there. <laughs> Convinced I will Super injure myself cool. immediately. No, they're good coaches. They would they I know they wouldn't they wouldn't let me do that to myself. I'm I'm afraid of myself, not them. <laughs> that is the difference between between good coaching and not good coaching. Sure. Yeah. No, they would not so. allow me to injure myself despite uh You've seen you've seen how I rode a bike. I mean, it's a it's a miracle I'm still alive. It's true. It's true. I mean, how we how we got this far, I you know, honestly, I have no idea. I might be the only bike racer that I personally know who was hit in the face with a crank set once, <laughs> like an airborne uh, crank set of someone else's bike. Uh, it's probably my fault. I don't know, but anyway, uh, you just it's just that magnetic personality. <laughs> Booyah. <laughs> So nailed it, nailed it. You're on fire. I know you want to talk about running. We you mentioned your trail run recently. What have you been thinking about with summer fitness and running? Oh man, here's the thing with running. So I've been I've been months and months ago. Allie started running, but she'd never run before. She was like, "I'm gonna go for a run," and I was like, "Okay." (laughs) And then, um, sweet, which was was awesome. I, you know, like she really progressed, you know, pretty quickly and, and, and was, um, was adding some distance and, and it was, it was pretty cool to see. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to start running again. Is she, and I started quick interruption. Is she running in the woods or on the road? Just on the road, just okay. from the house here. Just out of curiosity. Yep. Yep. And, um, and she's since stopped running, but she's been doing a bunch of other uh, fitness based things, which is, which has been really cool to see her um, progress and, and embrace more. Um, that said, I was like, I'm going to start running because it's easy to do because do it right out the door. And uh, I started slow. Like I was doing like one mile, one mile, two mile, like just really short runs, just like to try and get back to the mechanics of it. And then I was like, each weekend I was like, I'm going to do a longer run. I did like three miles, three and a half miles, four, five, etc. And I did a little, I did a few five miles and then like, it's just like, it was working and like, I was still running like pretty good pace. Um, it's pretty even. I just like, didn't feel like I was progressing, I guess, like to the point where I was like, Oh, I can go do 10 miles. Right. Um, right. I think five and below is a, is a as like a its own sort of type of running. Once you get past maybe five or six miles, it's it's like a little bit different. Like it's just a longer time doing that activity. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so and so then I was like, well, I'm gonna go for a trail run. So I went to this local um, trail network spot and I did a trail run. And it was like it was short. It was like three miles or just over three miles. And I swear to God, it went by like, bloop, like in the blink of an eye, like sure. I was done. And I was like, oh, I guess the trail here is not that long. And then I looked at the data later and it was just over three miles. And I was like, huh, well, okay. So then I tried, did a couple other trail runs, like same thing, like four miles, like, boop, it was just, it just disappeared. And then I just decided like that I wanted to run 
from Lincoln Gap to App Gap along the Long Trail, which is like way up on this ridge line. And uh, and so I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it on on Father's Day. So I had like a little mini micro backpack and some water and stuff, and then I just kind of like ran slash hiked it, and uh, and it was 11 miles or like 10.9 miles or something like that. Sounds. But awesome. I finished it, and I was like. And I was totally expecting, like, oh, I was going to be really hard and challenging and, like, I'll have to stop and go really slow. And it's not like I went super fast. It's very technical terrain. But also, like, it just felt really good the whole time. And then I, I would run a little bit. And then if it got technical or too steep, then, like, I would just walk. And it was a whole different headspace than, like, running on the road. Like, I feel like you run on the road and you're like, okay, I'm going to run eight-minute miles. And if I deviate <laughs> from that, like, I'm, it's not going right. Yep. We're in the woods. You're just kind of, I was just like going and I'd just be like, oh, I'm going to walk a little bit. I'm going to run fast. Oh, I'm just going to like trot a lot. Like it was just way more dynamic and, and, uh, it was super fun. So yeah. Re- trail running is a totally different thing. It's been like the most of the running that I've done when I've done it over the last year or two has been trail running, except for some road runs by my house and mostly short ones. Cause it's just, I, like you said, it's, it's a little, I think what it is is like, it's, kind of like riding a road bike versus riding a mountain bike. Like when you're in the woods doing any kind of like relatively technical mountain biking, you can get into like that more flow state kind of mind where like you're paying attention to what you're doing very directly versus kind of looking at your watch, looking at your speed, thinking kind of a little more like self-aware about the activity. I think road, you know, that's not always true, but in a sense, like that road running, road riding, you're kind of, you're looking at data and you're maybe kind of not directly distracted from the activity itself. Whereas I feel like if you get too distracted on a difficult mountain bike trail or running trail, you, you, something bad will happen. <laughs> you will be interrupted from the activity. Yeah. I think, I think you have, you have no choice, but to be fully in the moment. Like you have to watch where your feet are going. You have to, you know, like swat flies if the deer flies are chasing you. And, and then you, yeah, you just, there's no, time to be distracted about like you know whatever else like oh am i going the right pace or am i doing right whatever and yeah so and definitely i have had to jump over snakes <laughs> and around lizards and things <laughs> on the green belt here so like there's things to pay attention to in nature that just kind of keep you more i think just a little bit closer to that flow state that that you like to get into that and that's the thing that makes the time kind of disappear during a long run right which is right, a, right, a little right. bit harder to achieve on the road. I'm sure people do it. They, people who really, oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. But I think it's just harder to get to that place that way. <laughs> you know. I mean, I, yeah. During during that trail run, like I was so deep in the in the trail run, like I didn't notice until I got home uh, that I had like this big chafe burn on my lower back from the from the backpack. And oh, I was like, yeah. And I was like, man, what did I, did I get a sun? But like, what is going on? <laughs> I got a dumb technical like, question like, oh, for geez. you that you may or may not. I, the Vermont answer is going to be probably different than the Texas answer, but um, I don't know how many long runs like that you've done, but especially this later part of the summer. But what is your t- your thoughts on how much water to take? Do you need to plan to have a stopping off point to refill the water? Like what's your strategy for that? Because I've had some challenges trying to do like even just like five to seven miles on the the trail here because the trail doesn't have a water supply on it. And I have trouble deciding how much is the right amount of water to bring with me. It can be difficult. 
I feel like the answer is um, if it's going to be an hour or less, I will go no water. Mm. Zero. Um, but you'll have some waiting at your stopping point, like your car or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. For, yeah, for when you get back. Yep. And then if it's going to be over that, then I try and think like a bottle-ish, in, you know, per hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, when I did that long one, like the long trail thing, it was four, it was four hours. Yeah. Um, so what did you do I, about I, water? <laughs> so I brought, um, how much water did I have? I had like a little bottle that was like 12 ounces and another bottle that was like a liter and a half, I think. So what is that? Sounds like you were maybe uh, close to two liters, but not quite. 48, six. Yeah, so just shy of a couple liters. Um, and so I drank. I never ran out of water. And I always had plenty of water with me, but I did bring a water filter because it's the trail. So, like, there's there's streams and stuff where you can just get water. Oh, just going to go, um, go bear gorillas out there. I well, I had a filter, though. So, like, I, <laughs> so I, col- I collected the water and I treated it. So you're not, um, you're not using your own urine or anything like that, right? No, 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 no. So, yeah, so I, 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 did, I, knew, I, I knew that was the answer, but I had to ask. <laughs> yeah, so I did that. But I, I probably overdid it with the amount of water that I carried. But at the same time, um, you know, I had never done that kind of run. So I was a little probably overprepared, which is fine. Yeah, that's, I mean, you want to be, though, because that four hours in the woods is, you know, that's a long but time. But I think, like. I could have done it. I could have done it with two liters, probably fine. Run out at the end, and then I would have had water waiting for me. Yeah, but there's no, there's not much margin for error. No, like here, there's kind of what I. Yeah, it, it's tough because the the trail running I've done a lot of it's been on the green belt here in town, so it's um, <clears throat> there's not really water stops along the way, but there are some things you can do. There are a couple places you can kind of leave the trail for a minute. <clears throat> Uh, and get close to a water supplies. But so I'll do the Nathan bag sometimes. Uh, I don't know if that, you know, that name brand or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just like a water pack bag. It's really just basically enough space for your wallet, your keys, maybe some kind of first aid thing. And then about a liter or so of water. Um, and that's been enough. And it's like a, like a camel back, like with the hose type deal. Yeah. It's got like a hose. Yeah. I wash it off pretty good if you want it to not yeah, yeah, taste yeah. funky, but, um, but yeah, so it clips up near on uh, the strap near your neck and you can kind of just take a swig of water whenever you want that system. And you can actually, you put a good amount of ice in it too, if you want to keep it cold. Cause it's good. that's the other thing. Like at bike races at the, at the weekly bike race here in the summer, they don't give you water for your water bottle. They give you ice and it'll be water pretty quick. <laughs> so Dang. you just scoop ice in there and then it, you have cold water for a little while. Um, it's just rough. Like heat management here is in water. And therefore the water management is, is kind of a limiter. Like I've been on the green belt where like, I feel like I would have been able to run further, but I was like, I'm, I'm out of water. This run is over, <laughs> but that's just me. Yeah. 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 It's like, and I think there's a, there's always like a planned depending on the run you're doing or whatever. There's always like a planned level of dehydration you're willing to accept. And if like <laughs> sure, you know, depending on what you're like, if you're like, I'm gonna go run fast, then you're like, okay, well, I'm not gonna bring water, and I'm gonna probably be more dehydrated than 
than normal. Or you're like, oh, I'm just going to go for a long run. Then you're like, I'm going to drink more. You know, it's just yeah. like it varies on. What yeah, I think I'm with you. I th- when I've done like that trail and I know I'm just going to do two to three miles, you know, I just want to get out and do a little run, you know, that feels like a real run, but not too far. That's like probably no water. Just wait for when I get back. But like if you're trying to right. do any bigger length of a trail, I would bring yourself a water pack. <laughs> and if you're in yeah. Texas, yeah, I would yeah, advise yeah. you put some ice in that bad boy because it's going to be real warm real quick. Well, that's what I did yesterday for the IRRs. I had I had uh, one water bottle and then I had an insulated water bottle and then I had a, a, uh, a Thule pack with a water reservoir in it. And I put a ton of ice in that. Very smart. So I, worked out really well for the day. So. so you transition naturally to the IRR. This is something we've talked about on the show before. It is the brainchild of, would you say it's your mainly your project? I forget if you had a co-founder. Yeah. I mean, they originally started with this other guy, Hubert de Ultramont. Uh, that's a, a, that's a, a bicycle, name right bi- there. Yeah. Bicycle <laughs> frame builder and, and rad dude. He's out in, um, I think, New Mexico now. Um, we collectively put together like the first three and then um and then he left and it really kind of uh you know became what it is now and so like i like to say (laughs) i like to say it's not like my brainchild but it's like uh for people that sign up for it you are completely at whim for what i want to do (laughs) it's more of a fever dream than than a brainchild situation yes yeah 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 exactly exactly so uh to recap for those that haven't heard before the IRR is the irreverent road ride, um, always including roads of questionable character and content. Uh, <laughs> it's advertised as the um, single, uh, the most challenging single day dirt road ride in the world. In the um, world. In the world. It is, uh, it varies from 120 up to 148 miles depending <laughs> on the year uh it's anywhere from 13,000 to 18,000 feet of climbing um and it is always um you know 85% dirt roads including uh, a smattering of Vermont's very own class 4 roads which are unmaintained um <laughs> it's using path, the word road path very liberally we'll put it that yes way. yeah i mean it is it is it is a road in the sense that it is legally defined as a road um <laughs> if uh, for for nearly all the class four roads that i've been on if you do not have a modified four-wheel drive vehicle you will not be able to pass the road <laughs> so, so it's, it's serious business now i have not yeah. and i have not done this event but at one point earlier in the year had committed to doing the, the it's event true this year. it's true yeah you were you got off the hook um, the pandemic you know, probably, released me from the obligation of doing this awful thing <laughs> but, probably literally the only possible way you could be let off the hook uh happened so yeah, uh, there minor, you go. minor miracle. I do intend to to participate in this at some point. <laughs> Hopefully next year we'll be yeah, talking about so the, real things again. So the ride, usually the fastest it's ever been completed is nine hours. And then usually it <laughs> takes people up to 16 or 17 hours to complete it. 10 to 30% of the registrants usually complete the actual route. Most people, like myself included, will take a shortcut or three. <laughs> and that's 
is that discouraged, encouraged, or no, no opinion required? No, no opinion, no opinion. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's the kind of a, uh, the, my favorite part uh, of the whole deal is that um, I record who finishes the route that year, um, but I do not publish it anywhere. <laughs> so there's, there's no record. So the, re- I like to, the reward I like you to, get is you'll be in a notebook somewhere in Adam's house for eternity, and that's it. That's all you. Yeah, get. <laughs> that's what I, I like to joke that there's a notebook that that is written down um, that you finished the IRR, and there's been like some very controversial rulings. Um, again, you are completely at my mercy in my opinion <laughs> of whether or not you finished. Yeah. So, so, so someone, um, this was like two or three years ago. I forget exactly what happened. He wrote the course was like 130 miles and it was absolutely brutal. Like the course we put together <laughs> that year was just, it was just terrible. Um, and, uh, so he rode, he rode 135 miles and he did the same amount of climbing but he skipped this very last portion of, of um, class four road. And, <laughs> you know, and like, at realistically, that point, why though? At that point, why skip it? Well, like, I was going like, to say it was, it was, you're it already was having dark. a miserable day. Like just do no, it. No, no, here's, here's the deal. I was going to say like, he probably made like the correct decision in that it was dark and he, he didn't want to, um, and his light wasn't working that well and like didn't want to go through the section. So like for safety, he probably made the right call. <laughs> you know, um, if he's still alive, then I got to give him credit for that decision probably. So he, so he rolls into the parking lot. It's like 10 o'clock at night and I'm sitting around the campfire, um, likely drinking some bourbon at this point, waiting, <laughs> waiting for everyone to finish. And he's like, he's, I was like, how'd it go? He's like, oh, I didn't think I And I always ask everyone. I'm like, well, did you finish? And he's like, yeah, except, you know, I went around this part and I was like, oh, sorry, dude, doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, in, man. And in reality, the only punishment is he ain't in that notebook. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, <laughs> it's really what Correct. doesn't matter. <laughs> Correct. Correct. And yeah. if you see it, him online, say to his friends, I finished the IRR road race. Do, they, do you correct that or do you just go, nah, it's, 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 whatever? <laughs> well, so here's so here's the deal. So last year. OK, so the rules are um, there's two rules to, to, quote unquote, finishing the Irreverent Road Ride. One, you have to ride the route as it's prescribed. You can't you can't modify the route. OK, you do, I mean, you you can, but it doesn't count. I have a, I will wait, I have a follow up question to that first rule. Okay. Yeah. Based then, on your Instagram from yesterday, if you fuck up and put <laughs> an impassable road on the route, then it's, oh, then what happens? I get to choose how I'm going to get around that obstruction, right? Because I, I uh, it looks like you yeah. chose a route that was not actually passable at one point this year. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't that it wasn't passable. What happened was, um, actually, hang on, we'll we'll come back to that in one second. So. Okay. so you got to ride the route as prescribed, uh, navigational errors by the organizer, notwithstanding. Um, <laughs> and two, um, you have to finish before midnight. That seems fair. And so usually it would start at like six thirty or seven a.m. Gotcha. So you have you got a lot of time to get to get the thing done, right? Yep. Um, so last year. Uh, there's, there's two friends of mine here in Vermont or th- uh, three, 
that have done the ride like five or six times, like almost every year they've come. <laughs> and, <laughs> and in all the years that they have come, like they've been involved since the beginning, they've never finished. They're just, they just they know coming in like we're not going to do all the stuff that Adam says we should do. We could do well, some. Well, no, of it. That's, the, that's the thing. Every year they have the intention of finishing the ride. And oh, interesting. Every year, yeah, every year just doesn't work out. Like one year there was like some absolutely insane thunderstorm that had people looking for shelter in random people's homes. Uh, <laughs> oh man! One one year like this, the fitness wasn't there. One year, um, you know, there was like some mechanicals. And so we had to take this major deviation off course and like all these, just all these things happen. Right. So, um, anyway, so last year, uh, I'm driving like the follow the sweep car and I, and I run into them. Like they're the last people on the road. There's a group of like, I think it was like four or five of them. There's the last people on the road and, and they are like 40 miles from the finish and it's all, <laughs> and it's like, eight o'clock at night and i was like i was like hey are you i was like are you guys gonna like try and get this done and they're like yeah yeah we're totally gonna go for it and i was like okay i was like cool well you know you get a boogie but you can probably do it so i drive back to the finish so sit around the campfire same deal bourbon in hand talking to the i'm talking to the guy who i vetoed his route from the year before because he skipped one piece of single track <laughs> And I'm discussing with the group. I'm like, oh, man, they're out there. Uh, this, that, the other thing. And at this point, it's 1150. Oh, they got and 10 I was minutes. Like, I was what, like, they got 10 minutes. What are you going to do if they roll in it <laughs> one minute past? So I, are you going to really so I, keep them out of the so book? So I pose I the question to the to everyone at the fire. I'm like, oh, what do you think? Like, if they come in after midnight, you know, does it still count? And without hesitation – single track guy goes absolutely not i was like okay fair enough <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's already pissed so you, you got well he knows he's like he's like listen man he's like you vetoed me for this little thing like they can't be after midnight and i was like yeah you're right they can't so um anyway they made it i think it was like 11 57 wow they just they just squeaked it <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so um so it was it was down to the it was down to the wire though so it was uh it was a wild ride. But, you know, Congratulations like super... to those folks. Yeah, for, I was stoked for... that they finally got it done. <laughs> yeah. so. and, and, and in a dramatic kind of way, too. Absolutely. Yeah, but absolutely. make no mistake, they were four minutes away from being out of the book. <laughs> oh, uh, 100%. 100%. So, um, so uh, yeah. So, anyway, so that's, that's the deal with that. Um, now, to your point, like, occasionally errors are made on the, uh, either on the map or the route. And there's a number of reasons that it can happen. Um, but let's just say it happens sometimes. <laughs> well, I mean, these are really rural spots and do they sometimes just fall into disrepair? I mean, or, I don't know, maybe the maps are a little off or cause you're, you're, yeah, there's like a couple of things that happen. Like there's, there's like the legal right of way, which might be like this straight line. Right. And then, in some places there's the legal right of way and then there's the common use right of way, which is now technically not part, which is not on the, it's deviated, right? So now you're technically on private. So it just becomes this weird situation. Gotcha. Um, and some of them, like there's been, I've only done this once, but there's been one road that I used that was like technically still there still identified by the town 
as a as a legal trail and right of way. And clearly no one has used it. And I can't even tell you how long. <laughs> for but any I, purpose. For any purpose whatsoever. And so um, I think it was like three years ago, but I was like, oh yeah, we're gonna use this. So like I went out there um, by myself and like bushwhacked my way through the woods <laughs> just, <laughs> just to make sure like, oh, you can actually do it. It's doable. Um, and then I included that in the, in the route. And so might be the um, only gravel grinder type event in the country where you should probably bring a machete or a pocket saw. I was, <laughs> I was just a, a saw is probably, is probably good. Safe, um, probably safer. There was a joke one year I was doing like this raffle, uh, you know, like everybody with that was entered in the event was entered in a raffle and I raffled off like a Zippo lighter, a bundle of kindling, um, <laughs> Um, uh, iodine water tablets, <laughs> like, <laughs> all sorts of goofy stuff. Um, very good. So, so, uh, yeah. So anyway, so what, what can happen is like, occasionally there's an error or like sometimes a property owner will then be combative with, with somebody and they're like, you can't use this right away. So they're forced to go around gotcha. like, okay. Exceptions like that happened last year. Um, and the people were totally in the wrong. And there's even a sign that's posted. It says like no motor vehicles, um, hikers and bikers welcome. But these people were just like, I don't know. They weren't having it. They're so pulling a get off my land type situation. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, all right, well, whatever. It's not worth it. We'll just go around. No big deal. Um, that's fine. And um, what becomes funny in those situations is that you've got the people in the, that were earlier in the day that like went through no problem and did the prescribed route. And then you got people that were forced to deviate because of a situation. Right. So then, so then do you say like, well, these guys got it done and yours does, you know, it just becomes like a, mm, yeah, that's a tough one. I, I feel like I would give them maybe thing. the benefit on the doubt. So on that what one. happened <laughs> anyway, what happened yesterday was that the, everything was passable. Um, in, in terms of like ruggedness, this was probably like the least rugged year, um, which I'll, I'll get to more in a second. But uh, one of the very first trails that I that is part of the route, like at mile, I'd say probably at mile 20, um, I mistakenly mapped it to a hiker only trail. And it has a very clear sign. This is no bikes. Oh, um, and there's another trail that parallels it and, and it's totally fine. And it's, it's actually a pretty enjoyable, like nice double track through the woods. It's really nice. Um, either one is, is passable. It's just, you just don't want to use the hike only kind of trail, kind of in bad taste to take your bike. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and so it's, it's really just important for like people coming from out of state, you know, like, because they're going to be, they're going to be looking at the route and they're like, well, it says to go this way. I guess I'm going to go this way. Um, and ignore the sign. So, cause otherwise they have no idea where they're going. <laughs> I mean, if they're not so, familiar with hyper rural Vermont, they're going to kind of have to go with what you gave them. Yeah. So anyway, so I updated it and, and it's fine. And then there was one other one where this has happened a couple of times where like, I look at a map and I look at the satellite and Google earth and the whole deal. And I'm like, Oh, this is where the right of way is. And it's like some, some line or whatever. But then you look at the map with the roads and the roads say it goes a different way. And so you're like, you're like, okay, well I'll, I'll map it to the road, but then you get out there and then, and then you're like, Oh no, it definitely does not go where the road says it is. And it just goes this other way. And so you, you know, so that's what happened yesterday with the second one was like, I got to this three way intersection 
and it was like to the left was a was a driveway directly in front of you was a driveway and to the right was a driveway and <laughs> so whose house are you visiting <laughs> and i was like i was like ah mm. and i was like and technically the route said that you were supposed to turn right but i had a feeling that i was going to go straight so i went straight and then sure enough the class 4 road then like split off to the right and then went into the woods and came out in a farm field on the other side and got me where I wanted to go. But it was like nowhere near where the map said it was. Be very so. confusing. If you were on a bike trying to do a 10 hour adventure and you got to that intersection, you'd probably be pretty confused, possibly angry at Adam. <laughs> yeah. Which I'll, I'll say is like, that's all part of the shtick IR. There's always some navigational fortitude that is necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, it. Uh, there bring was, bring there a was, compass, bring a pocket saw. It's, it's a unique yeah. adventure. There was what, there was one year where like you went like through the woods. It's like crazy mountain road. It was like by a stream. It was awesome. You went up and up and up and up and up. And then you get to a clearing and it was like a big flat wide clearing. They probably used it for logging at some point or whatever. And it looked like that was it. Like that was the end of the road. It's a dead end. <laughs> I've been on trails like that. I know, I know what that looks like. Yeah. And that, but except like right across the clearing, straight across there was, there it was this tiny little scratch into the hillside and that was the trail. And so you went up over that and then the double track continued like way up into the mountains and over the top. But like, if you just got up there and you're like, well, I don't see it. Like it was there. You just have to believe the <laughs> GPS and, and head for the woods. So. Sometimes you just have to believe <laughs> you just got up. Yeah. There's a certain amount of like, it's a good combination. I think of like believing and, and, and questioning what you're doing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. So, so for the listeners, IRR, a reverent road ride, what year would this have been? What edition did you do? Yesterday? This was edition 9.0, 9.0. And it usually occurs in the later part of July. Yeah. Mid to late July first week of august yeah. and if people are interested in uh if the the pandemic world allows next year's event is there a website or something they can kind of take a look at they can al- they can always check the outdated shorthandledshovel.com shorthandedshovel.com there is a link to that also on the talkshow.com uh website uh as there well i believe uh i put yeah. those up there and uh yeah so they'll be it'll be the 10th year or just the 10th edition there's only one a year. So next year should be a decade of this nonsense. Yeah. And I have like a really big over the top idea. Great. Oh, and question just out of my curiosity. I didn't want to interrupt you earlier, but I was thinking, has it ever left the state of Vermont? Does the roads ever, did, is there ever a part of the course that's been outside of Vermont or is this always Vermont? Confined oh, to the roads al- of Vermont. It's always, uh, it's always Vermont, although I've, I planned a different ride. We never quite got it off the ground. It wouldn't have been the Air Reverend Road Ride. It would have just been a, a different bike ride, but it was the um, it was the three states, two countries ride. And you started in northeastern Vermont, cut across the northern tip of New Hampshire into Maine, and then you hooked north into Canada, and then you would come back across Canada and back into Vermont. Um, <laughs> how many miles would that take do you remember like honestly it wasn't hard? that big it was like it was like 120 miles like total yeah. like if you do it just doable. if you do it just right it's like a century and a bit yeah 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 so it was it was totally um it was totally doable although now in the current climate like you can't cross the border so 
less less doable less doable less doable there's a lot of things that are complicated to do these days uh but yeah that sounds awesome irreverent road ride hopefully the world will allow for the decade celebration next year to be one with some good attendance Adam is doing something. I'm going to vamp for a minute. Uh, talk oh, show. Some, okay. I'm back. <laughs> okay. I'm back. I don't know what happened. Some, it jumped out of my headphones for some reason. What jumped out of your headphones? Like your voice. I oh, disconnect, oh. Disconnected the headphones from the phone, and then it was like, yeah, you were. it was still connected, but just like on the phone. Crazy things were happening. Well, we've hit about an hour here. Are there any topics you have left that you want to add to this edition, my friend? We've covered yes, a I lot need- of ground. Very important. I need a tree update. The tree is doing great. I need to water the tree still today, but it is grown. It has happy leaves. It seems to be thriving in this weird clayish kind of soil that we have here uh, in far south Austin, Talk Show World headquarters. So the tree is doing good. Uh, I would ask you about the wall, but you're at a new location in North Ferris Wheel. There is, correct me if I'm wrong, there, you have not built a wall there yet. Not yet, but you never know. There's always opportunities to build walls between you and others. <laughs> yeah, it's a New England tradition, isn't it? I mean, it goes back to like, uh, is there a Robert Frost poem or something? Like good, good walls make good neighbors or good fences, maybe it is. I think it's good fences. Fuck. I is, that, is that a thing? I think so. I can't remember the reference. It's like bouncing around in my 42-year-old brain. But <clears throat> yeah, there. you know how those old, um, when you're in New England, you, you find those little old stone decrepit stone walls that they're out there in the woods that well, those, yeah, at those some point old... marked a property line for somebody. Right. But the, but the reason that they marked the property line, right, is that they would clear the field and those are all the stones from the field. And so they would pile them up along the edge. Yeah. That's interesting. You still find those when you're in the woods, like hiking and biking in New England. Not something, yeah, you, I mean, not, not something you typically see here in the great state of Texas. <laughs> so that, that road that I was talking about where I, where I just bushwhacked through the woods it follows, and this is usually a good rule of thumb if you're trying to find an ancient road. Nine times out of ten, it just follows the stone wall. Uh, so you're you're always near somebody's property line, presumably. <laughs> right, 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 right. And so, like, if it suddenly deviates wildly off of the wall, then you know it's most likely wrong. <laughs> there, see, we all just learned something. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, I got one question for you. One more serious topic, but we'll keep it short because you know no one wants to talk about this stuff for too long. But um, the end of summer is looming around the corner and we both have kids. It's a thing we talk about on the show, dad life. What dad is life. happening in your Oof. area of the world or in your minds? Have you talked with your wife about what the hell to do with the little ones when schools and daycares and all those things start up again? If, yeah, if they do. We were, we're struggling with that. I mean, here in Vermont, like they're all in all is like in a pretty good position. Um, I think they're, they're planning on opening the schools on time. Uh, e isn't old enough for quote unquote school yet. She's still at like daycare. And so, right. But one of the issues is they got all these protocol about like kids got to wear masks, staff has to wear masks, blah, 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 blah. But one of the things that we're, we're concerned about is that like, nearly all the teachers that were there left. So they're no longer there. So now not only are the new teachers wearing masks, but they're also new teachers. Yeah. That's a double whammy for kids. That's intimidating. So yeah. So our intention was like, Oh, maybe we'll do, we'll send her back. But now I think we're kind of floating back and forth and be like, well, maybe, yeah, yeah. totally unknown. I don't know. I'm kind of in the same boat. We were actually, ironically, the pandemic 
shut down schools in Austin on uh, what would have been Ollie's last day at the Montessori he was going to. We were about to transfer him to a different school that my wife was actually part-time teaching at. Um, so it was a Friday and it was supposed to be his like goodbye day for that school, which was a great school. We had a good experience with, we were just making a change and then school got canceled that day and that was it. There's been no school since then. And so when I say school, I mean like it was a Montessori school and then he was going to transfer to a daycare, but now he's at the age where he could be doing like pre-K in the public school system this, this time around this fall, it starts in August here instead of September. But, uh, there, I have no idea what's going on. Talk, they've talked about virtual learning. They've talked about in-person learning. The president's threatening to defund schools that don't do it the way he wants. So that it, I have no idea what's going to happen in Texas. And we, we might just sit it out till you know, after the holiday. Yeah, I think we're, you know? we're kind of like, we're big on like the wait and see approach. We're fortunate to be in a position to do that at the moment. So sure. Like, yeah, I think like, that's, oof, you know. Oh, related question before we sign off here. With your job, are you still working from home primarily? How, is there any pressure on you to travel throughout the region? No, not yet. Yeah, I'm still at home. Uh, there's no, like, pressure to travel. So we'll see. Like, I think we were just talking the other day. We usually have, like, a um, a September meeting with all of our retailers. And, like, I think that's going to be virtual. And then, like, now we're discussing, like, our next uh, internal meeting. Like, will that be virtual or in person? Or... Right, right. Big decisions. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah, yeah. in an industry so. that's so based typically on travel and in-person interactions. It's it's really must – it's a it's a change for everybody. For sure, yeah. And I think, like, some of the people deal with it better than others. Like, these are all people that are used to traveling and, like, being on the move constantly. Yeah. And when you're, like – when you tell them, like, no, no, you just got to stay home, they're, like, Wait, what? What? <laughs> Are you telling me I have to be around my wife like a lot? You know, like I feel like, like for some people that's really must be weird. You know, when your your relationships and your 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 interpersonal relationships are structured around a certain amount of absence. You know. Sure, 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 sure. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a number of challenges there, but yeah, also totally, totally unknown, and it really varies, like you know, market to market. Like as you, as you know, like Texas is in a different position than. Um, than Vermont is and sure. Michigan's in one position and New York is, you know, so it's just like all over the place. Bikes are still hot fire though right now. Right. I mean, <sighs> still hot fire, hot man. fire. people. And I, I, especially in the more, I think, well, I don't know, you know better than me, but it seems like in the urban areas, it's just people are really not wanting to get on the bus or the subway if it exists. Yeah. So who just, wants to get on that, that bus? Come on, man. It is a good time to get yourself a bicycle. <laughs> yeah. So. It is just, it is very challenging to do. Like the inventory position is, has been tricky. So I think uh, we should do an episode. You tell me when it's good to do like scheduling wise, but I think we should do maybe a short one cause it would be kind of dry, but we should do like a bike guide episode or something. We should talk about like what bikes are good for what things or like what, uh, Oh yeah. Or just like, like how to pick one, how to pick, yeah. you know, ways to pick a bike, ways to go shopping for a bike and not make bad decisions. That would be kind of an interesting episode since you have so much information from both your career yeah. as a cyclist and your well we you can know, do it on a number of levels right like how to pick a bike for your kids how sure. to pick a bike for yourself i think yeah, pick, sure. picking a bike for your kids is a good one because people fall into some traps there i think that we could talk about but oh show i like it I all like right it. well we we did it man i think we covered some dry stuff and some fun stuff and uh we're gonna call this what episode 38 
That's what I put in my notes. Yeah. The numbers have dissolved any meaning. It's like, what, what is a day of the week anymore? Right. What's an episode? Pick a number. What Uh, number do you like, Adam? Oh, I like, I like 38. 38 is great. Okay. Episode 38. We did it. All right, man. This podcast is ended. Let us go in peace. Love it. Take care. We are (laughs) still wild. And we have when the troubled wind blows. And then the TV's blue light. Or assassins will lie. Everywhere just a going down slow. So don't tread on me, for I am your brother. I was born with an American heart.